welcome once again to Cinemaholics, the major motion podcast, where we talk about the biggest and best films coming to theaters and streaming online. From the San Francisco Bay Area, I'm John Negroni, film editor for InBetweenDrafts.com. And from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, he's a freelance film writer, and you'll love to see him. I'm thinking he's back. It's Will Ashton. Hi, John. Mm, sound kind of like, not even like Ghostface. You just kind of sound like you got something in your throat. Yeah, that's how everyone talks in these movies. They're just like... Good to see you, John. Are you, you made back? it back from the bureaucratic cannibalism yeah. triangle? I like. Yeah. Uh, I don't think he's been in the sequels outside of the second one, but that cop guy is just like, "You working again, John?" <laughs> well, that's that's the thing that's been bugging me about the John Wick movies since like the first one and part of the second one is we never get to hang out with like the the people who were like not that important. Yeah, whatever. In this like criminal underground. Whatever happened to John Leguizamo? Yeah, we don't we don't have like uh, the, the people who like do the cleaning, you know, the the janitors, right? We don't have like like that was one of my favorite things about the first John Wick. We like John, how you doing, man? Mm-hmm. And you know what I mean, right? <laughs> now it's now it's like um, it's so high and mighty. It's so like welcome to the continental Osaka, and it's just like yeah, well, that's nice. Yeah, we don't have like uh, prominent characters in like the the working person roles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't get to see the low men as much, but you also get to see how many uh, dang assassins are in this world, which are a lot. Mm-hmm. I think we get that more, well, we get that in the third one too, right? Where it's sure. like every assassin was after him and yeah. this one's like kind of doing the same thing. Anyway, John with chapter four. Four movies, how about it? Yeah. I'm- this is, uh, yeah, I mean, look, John. the first John Wick came out in 2014. We... The first one we talked about, first episode of Cinemaholics, was John Wake Chapter 2, right? Uh, yeah, that was um, the that was 2017. very, very first film we ever discussed on the show, if that's, uh, if that's correct. It, tick- it tickles my nostalgia a little bit whenever I hear the words John Wick, <laughs> because I, I really hear John Will. Yeah, I see. You know? Yeah. And uh, chapter, chapter 2 was good. Uh, chapter 3 I thought was good. Mm-hmm. I like all these movies. Yeah. I think Chapter Four. It's good. I, I don't have that much to say necessarily, but we'll, we'll say it anyway. Um, John Wick franchise, and also once we actually review the movie, will I hope we can talk about what happens next with this this series? Okay, you know, right? sure. It, it might require spoilers. I think it would knows? almost certainly require spoilers. <laughs> we'll see. I mean, uh, so this new movie was supposed to come out. Well, gosh, like two years ago, um, May twenty first, twenty twenty one. Um, however, you know, th- th- something happened. I forget. It was like in 2020 and it delayed a lot of things. I, I'd have to look it up to, to figure that out. But uh, no, that's finally out. Keanu Reeves is back. He's, get, he's getting a little bit older. You know, that's kind of part of the movie at this point. Yeah. I mean, well, he's like pushing 60 at this point, right? Yeah. He's 58 years old. He's going to be 59 this year. Wow. And he's still looking great. I oh, mean, the course. guy looks like he's in his upper 40s, not his yeah. upper 50s. But um, yeah, I mean... I know initially when the third movie came out and it did Gangbusters, uh, they were talking about doing like a fourth and a fifth movie back to back. And then I think the pandemic, like you said, delayed that. And then they were just like, okay, we're going to focus on just doing the fourth one. But they were still kind of dangling the carrot of the fifth one for a while. And I think that's where I got confused was that uh, they were kind of alluding to the idea that they were going to do a fifth one after this one. But then in the weeks leading up, 
to this film, they're like, oh, this is the last one. It's like, okay, but you announced the fifth one, and then now that this movie did so That's well. That's why I was confused right. when you were like, John, they announced a fifth one. I'm like, I don't know. Well, I don't know if they're going to do another one. It, it seems like they're setting up a spinoff, but uh, we'll, get, we'll get to that probably sure. later. Yeah. For now, for now, I mean, I, I do want to point out that it, it really it has been so long since chapter three that came out in 2019 it's been four years and i i genuinely forgot so much of like what happened in that movie aside from the action scenes you know like i don't really remember what's what like is he still excommunicado what's i I forgot what the high table is i forgot where he stands on certain things even though that was a trilogy it, it really didn't feel like we got that much closure in the third one and then yeah yeah we're gonna get a fourth one sure so how, how are you feeling about that like are you feeling like like because did you rewatch it before you went into it because i was confused i for the first like 30 minutes i was like i don't know what's going on yeah i rewatched the first two leading up to this one then i rewatched the third one after i saw this one um mm. but uh yeah i mean i i could watch 20 of these movies man i continue to get more and more out of each of them with each successive film that's not to say that each one has gotten better it's very hard to rank these films i don't know i i've seen people like trying to say which one's the best and it's like they're all good like you said before it's just like some things do some things better than others like it's hard to like gauge like like the first one has the story and the emotionality of it the world building is in place there but like the blockbuster scale was established in the second one the action scenes are laid out in kind of a grander fashion that would be established in later films with the the second movie uh you know and the additional scope and scale of it is established in that one but then the third one has like such killer action it's just non-stop you know brutal pummeling, you know, action scene after action scene and just a lot of fun. And then this one just kind of heightens that even more and gives a, a grander kind of sense of uh, closure, I guess, or a sense of like, you know, this all encompassing, uh, you know, world is kind of being pushed to the brink, but there's still more to explore. And it's just a lot of fun. I don't know. I could keep watching these movies, but I can understand uh, and sympathize with the creators because it's probably a lot of hard work. Uh, and a lot of pain to make these movies. Yeah, I mean, I've seen some of the behind-the-scenes stunt videos of like what people have to do to make this come alive, and they aren't using a ton of CGI for like these really elaborate scenes where people are just getting pummeled and uh, receiving a ton of abuse on set. It's it's almost alarming, honestly. Uh, it kind of is actually. But yeah, I, I would have to rewatch them if I could even dream of remaking them. But I mean, what you laid out. I think kind of tracks with what I remember. I mean, I remember the first one pretty well because that is the one with the story. And yeah, the second one obviously like ups the ante in every way. I remember, I do remember the third one being so creative. Like it was so inventive with the weapons he was using and really the mix of set pieces. Like we we had the horses, of course, and then we had like that knife fight. Like it it does amaze me that I can remember so much from these things uh, despite so much time passing. But if there's one thing I don't remember super well, it it is a lot of like the world building at a certain point because it starts off more subtle in that first movie. It starts off a little bit more of like we're just kind of, you know, it's like a criminal underworld. You get it. Like we don't have to over explain it. There's a hotel for bad guys. It's fun. Um, but then, yeah, they keep adding more stuff to it. And then this fourth one, it's just like there are all of these rules. I feel like it's starting to get a little bit like 
too unbelievable in terms of like how this criminal underworld works. There's something to be said about like, really like the entire world has been conquered by this criminal underworld. And there's something interesting about that, that I hope that, you know, maybe there is room for a story there that they could tell of like, why is stuff the way it is? And they could explore that with, uh, I, you know, one of the characters introduced here, Donnie Yen, uh, comes in as uh, Kane, who I think is uh, truly like one of the most brilliant characters they've ever brought into this franchise. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I guess to me, that's what I enjoy about these movies that like they consistently establish that like there is no real like underworld. Like this is just the world, and that you know they're just folks who are kind of oblivious to it, or I guess are not clued in or whatever. But for all we know, like everyone and their brother could just happen to be an assassin. And it just adds to the sense of scale of like John can never really find peace. Like he is always going to have. You're not an assassin, Will. <laughs> um, but I, no, am, I mean, I am. I, oh, uh, you're oblivious too. No, oh, I mean, okay. but just like like even in the second movie, I remember there's like a moment when he's in Rome and like the one guy is just like, "Are you gonna? Are you here to assassinate the Pope?" And they have established in the previous one that like the Catholic Church has connections to these mobs and ties. So it's like, are they implying that like the Pope is even an assassin? <laughs> like, I mean, you know, it's just like hey, like these I mean, things. Like where it's just like everyone can be an assassin. It's I don't know. It's fun. Yeah, there there is some fun to that. Uh, before we really get going here, I just want to point out that uh, Lance Reddick, of course, uh, is in this movie, and he passed away suddenly a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, very tragically. Yeah, and uh, I heard that they were able to add a sort of like last minute, um, you know, for Lance kind of thing mm-hmm. at the end of the movie the, that wasn't the, there before uh, beginning of the film. Yeah. Oh, the beginning. I heard it was at the end. So, um, yeah, maybe if it's the beginning, that's it's great. It's like just and before – it's even before the logo comes on. It just says for Lance Reddick or in memory of Lance Reddick, I think. That's great. It's fascinating to me too that like you can do that these days. Like, I mean, of course, like 15 years ago, everything was on – almost everything was on film. You know, you yeah. can you know, easily like send that to a projector the way that you can now. So we live in the future. That's yeah. Um, I was going to ask you about that because yeah, um, you saw this movie I think before he passed, right? Yeah. I did. Yeah. And so it was so, kind of surreal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I was just going to say, I mean, I don't know if that uh, has kind of weighed on you or if that's just something that, you know, has impact. I, I can't imagine impact like your opinion of the film, but I don't know. It just it's just odd that we had like totally different viewing experiences that way. Like, you know, I had to look yeah. at this as like, you know, kind of a, you know, uh, it, it, the, his scenes uh, have uh, it's kind of hard to dance around, but like they have greater weight. I was going to say. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it it really has like kind of changed. I think the calculation. I think when White Men Can't Jump comes out, I believe he's in that as well, and so we might go through sort of a similar thing. And you know, for me, I like I, I love him in the John Wick movies, but I'll always like cherish his uh, role in Fringe. You know, Fringe was like one of my favorite shows back when I was in high school and college, and you know, his role in that. I just remember him being like such a just you know powerhouse of a character in that. Um, so he plays like the head of like the FBI like Fringe division, and so um, yeah, you know, I, it, it's rough, man. Um, I also really like him. He's in uh, the Legend of Vox Machina. He voices one of the characters in it, and I haven't seen season two yet, but it's looking like, of course, that'll be like um, one of his last uh, voice roles. And so it's kind of going through that that process of like you know saying goodbye to this actor, and he's very young. You know, the, the man's only sixty, um, and uh, he apparently died of natural causes, and it's rough. That's yeah, really rough. Yeah, I mean, we could go on and on about how great Lance Riddick was. I mean, I don't know how we can talk, but I mean, obviously, he was in The Wire. He was in The Guest. Uh, like you say, he had a very prolific voice acting career as well, very distinctive voice. And I don't know. I mean, 
I I always thought he was one of the best parts of these movies. I always loved his like yeah. kind of dry delivery. I thought he was kind of key to the dry sense of humor that was established in those first two movies. Um, his chemistry with Ian McShane as the franchise yeah. went on, you know, and, and with uh, the yeah. Keanu too. I mean, you know, he had yeah. just fun uh, beats. I love how much more he gets to do in the third movie, and so I was just definitely curious to see um, what he'd do in the fourth one. And I will say. Um, this kind of not really a criticism, but just kind of a broader comment. I feel like one weird thing about revisiting the third movie is that like a lot of the people they establish in that movie aren't really present as much in this one. Like they, they kind of establish like, uh, more to do with like Lawrence Fishburne, but he's like kind of not as much as I expected, um, and a few other characters, like, like other characters that are introduced, obviously, are either killed off in that one or just not seen at all. So I don't know. I mean, like, Ian- Allie Berry's character. Yeah, Allie Berry. Yeah, she's yeah. not in this yeah. one. Right. Yeah. Um, and Angelica Houston. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and like, I get it. Like, they probably would have been forced to include a lot of those characters, but just it's odd to me that, like, a lot of the stuff that's established in that movie is just kind of thrown to the side. I don't know. I, I I get what you're saying, and I, I haven't rewatched the movie, so maybe it does feel a little bit like uh, set up for nothing. But at least when I was watching Chapter 4, it felt a little bit to me like, well, this world is that big, you know? Um, so we have new characters coming in here, and I, I think they're really great. So Bill Skarsgård comes in as the Marquis, who, you know, kind of an unconventional, not an unconventional villain for this series. He's kind of like... The uh, I forget the actor's name. I feel terrible. But the guy who plays Theon Greyjoy in Game of Thrones, he's the... Uh, sort of the initial villain of the first John Wick. He's just kind of like a pathetic dude. The Bill Skarsgård Oh, you're talking about like, uh, Alfie, Alfie Allen. Yes, thank you. Yeah. And, so Bill Skarsgård kind of plays like a version of him that was like, you know, bored on third base, essentially. <laughs> and sure. he's like, he's, he's like super important, but he's also very pathetic. Uh, we have Hiroki Sonata, who uh, comes in here as, I, th- I thought a really interesting character. He's like the head of the Osaka Continental. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, he's a prolific actor. I mean, truly, oh, like uh, when I saw him, I was like, oh, my God, like, I feel like I haven't seen him in anything in, in quite a while. He was in um, something fairly recently. I I, I feel like so he was in I looked it up. I forgot he was in Bullet Train. I was going to say, I thought he was in Bullet uh, so Train. We did see him yeah. just last year. Um, but I, I felt like he wasn't in that that much. Um, I mean, we see, we saw him in uh, he was in Avengers Endgame. Yeah. Like that one scene. Um, he was in Army of the Dead. Yeah. Uh, but I just feel like we haven't seen him in like real like full form like this since like 47 Ronin, you know. Um, With so. uh, Keanu, you know, he keeps his uh, That's right, yeah. His people close. Yeah. And he was in the uh, it was Hugh Jackman, too. Right. He was in the Wolverine. And I remember I don't remember the Wolverine super well. I don't remember uh, liking it that much, but I don't know if you were a fan of that one. But uh, yeah. Oh, I had fun with the Wolverine. I mean, it's not a movie I've, you know, thought about much or revisited, but when I saw it in theater, I was like, yeah, it's a good time. Yeah, I didn't hate it. Um, and then we have Rina Sawayama, who is uh, a famous, famous Japanese and yeah. British singer. And, uh, and uh, I didn't know her as well, but I mean, she's just like, you know, one of those pop stars that people are like the youth are aware of. Sure. But I thought she did a great job. I mean, I had no idea watching the film that she was a pop star this was like her first uh acting role or at least her first major one like i thought she uh was very crucial to like the emotional core that this movie has and uh yeah i know i was taken by her performance i did recognize her because i've seen like her like all over the place but yeah it wasn't until like i saw her and i was like oh that's an interesting cameo <laughs> but then of course like her character becomes way more important and i was like oh cool like they're actually like you know that was a fun subtle way to like bring the character in without making a huge show of it which i appreciated uh and then we also have shamir anderson 
who um, I'm trying to remember what, what we saw him in uh, most recently. Um, I feel like it was a. Uh, not that long ago, uh, we saw him on a, I think it was like a TV thing. Maybe. Is that um, so uh, he was in, Mr. Nobody here? Yes. Yeah. So he played, yeah, Mr. Nobody or The Tracker, right? Uh, he was in Invasion, uh, an Apple uh, TV show that not a lot of people watch. It had Sam Neill in it, at least the first episode. Um, he was in that. And then uh, in terms of movies, the last movie was uh, Awake, the Gina Rodriguez movie. Uh, apparently he was in um he was in endings beginnings bruised uh just hasn't really had any like lead roles i think lately but uh i like him a lot as an actor i, I think that he's just kind of like in this movie i think he's kind of key to it working for me because he kind of like follows along the entire time he doesn't have like a purpose i feel like he's just such a fun sort of like surrogate for the audience in that way like we're kind of like nobodies who are just following along and watching sure. this and we have no business being there yeah but like we're sort of like desensitized to what's happening you know what i mean but even so like we have like some court some sort of emotional connection and are kind of like you know show me more make it make it more more more, more money more stuff like that there, there was something interesting about his character in that way for me yeah i mean i get that he's probably a direct uh comment on like kind of the criticism like i'm guessing the third movie got where like like you said he is sort of the audience surrogate like he's someone who kind of because the movie is so heightened at this point there is there are less stakes, I guess, in the sense of like, like there are more stakes in the sense of like the world is literally out to get John, but in the sense of like, it's so grand that we kind of need someone to bring it back to earth a little bit. And that's kind of uh, exactly. the purpose of his character here. And also like you said, it's kind of a way to go back to basics. Like he has his connection with his dog. It's almost like yeah. you could kind of imagine a scenario where like an alternate universe where like John didn't find his wife and didn't get out of the, the field. But like he he still had a dog and like what would that would be kind of like for him is kind of like this character in some way. So there is sort of like a mutual respect uh, with John and this guy. And uh, yes, yeah, it also kind of mirrors like the relationship that uh, John Wick has with Willem Dafoe in that first movie as well. So, yeah, it's fun. I like that character. I like all the new characters here, actually. I think there there's no like real like weak link of the bunch. And uh, among the best uh, new additions is uh, none other than Donnie Yen. Yes, uh, so Donnie Yen plays a, a once again playing a blind character. Um, he, he's very comfortable in that. Sure, yeah. Um, do you think that was his choice, or do you think that they were just kind of like, "Hey, we like you Rogue play One it. was cool." Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, uh, I mean, he's a obviously Donnie Yen is a, a true icon. Um, you know, one of the like one of the true like people like look at like people like Jet Li and you know like these sort of like Asian action stars like Jackie Chan who've uh, have been so like. I just think like fundamental to really bringing like action, uh, Asian action cinema to the West. Uh, I would say the Donnie Yen is our modern day Jet Li, our modern day Jackie Chan. And he's an older guy. I mean, he's Keanu Reeves' age. But I think that it has been in the last decade where he's really sort of like brought that to the West in like a, a new way for people, um, specifically with the IP Man film series. Um, and also, it. of course, it, it, it might be Ip. Yeah. yeah. Um, and also, uh, you know, uh, Rogue One, you know, he was like one of the most like interesting characters in that movie. One of the most like iconic characters in that movie. Uh, one of the reasons like I didn't love Rogue One as much as I think a lot of people do. But I just think that he's just, you know, truly a fantastic person. Oh, to watch, yeah. But, he was my favorite you know. part of the Rogue One, actually. I remember like 
if there is, I don't know, I, I'm so over Star Wars at this point. I haven't even watched Andor. I'm just tired of Star Wars at this point. Um, but I remember thinking, like, if there was ever, like, a spinoff or, like, a show with him, I'd watch it because he was a cool character. I was curious, like, if you just had, like, a like a martial arts sage in the Star Wars universe, like, that's a cool idea. Uh, so, you know, Disney, uh, maybe get a hold of me if you want to do that. <laughs> I don't know. Hey, I mean, they, they, they do have room for it, you know. I think that he would make a great, like, uh a great character, like a, a buddy kind of character thing with like him being the more Zen character and then having somebody who's a little bit more like takes themselves seriously. Like you have an easy odd couple set up there, but anyway, yeah, I mean, there was a, uh, who's the character he was with in the, um, in rogue one. Like he had like kind of that relationship with somebody else in that movie. Just, that, that's kind of like what I'm referring to. Yeah. And there's a little bit like, you know, coded there like, Oh, maybe they're, they're in a relationship, but then of course it's Disney. So sure. <laughs> that's not quite, quite where they went with it. Um, uh, but, uh, yeah, I'd have to look up who the other guy was. Cause I, I didn't, I don't remember his name, but, uh, it looks like, it looks like his name is Baz Malbus played by Jiang Wen. Um, I think that's who, who he is, but anyway, yeah, he was more of like a mercenary character. He had guns and stuff, but then of course, you know, Donnie Yen's character was more Zen, a little bit more of just like trust in the force, not yeah. your guns or whatever. I don't know. You could just do a really cool. fun, like Butch Cassidy and Sundance kid with martial arts exactly. and Star Wars. It'd be, yeah. a, it'd be a cool idea. I'm just saying, yeah, yeah. this, he can get a hold of me. It's interesting that they went for Andor first, but with Andor's success, Hey, look at it. You know, I mean, um, you don't need all that. F- you don't need the uh, Jedi and stuff for this. Like, I haven't seen any of the new Mandalorian. I haven't been interested, you know, not to get on a tangent, but, you know, I'll get to it eventually, I guess. Uh, but back to John Wick chapter four. Uh, another thing I do want to praise the movie for before I get, I get in my first criticism, I guess I have to set the movie up, too. We haven't really talked about what it's about um, more specifically, but I do appreciate that they took off the, the caption because before it was like John Wick chapter three Parabellum. And I was just, I just thought that it was like heavy title. It was too much. It's like, you don't need that for John Wick. Okay. Like this ain't insane Ant-Man quantum it. Not forget it. Just John Wick chapter four. That's all we need. Like we'll open the book. Like let's go. Uh, so I, I wanted to say that that was a good choice uh, by Chad Stahelski, um, returning as director. And also, uh, I kind of want to point out here, uh, Chad Stahelski has uh, really just focused on the John Wick movies while uh the other guy um david leichman david leichman is that david Leitch, right? yeah yeah yeah. he's been yeah. doing kind of studio work of late he did uh tonic he blonde he did deadpool 2 hobbs and shaw and most recently bullet train yes and i would say that uh it's kind of interesting the way that these two guys who co-directed the first movie um they were stunt people for or they worked on the stunts and everything and i think the Helsky himself was a Keanu Reeves stunt double, if I'm not mistaken, um, for the Matrix. And then um, I forget which of them helped out with Matrix Resurrections. But uh, just in terms of like comparing the John Wick movies to like Deadpool, Hobbs, and Ch- these more franchise fare. I would definitely say that Stahelski has been the more successful, you know, sort of filmmaker here. Just in, just for me, at least, like I just think that the John Wick movies as a whole have been more have contributed more yeah. to like the film landscape franchises and things like that. I did. I didn't like atomic one or Deadpool too. I liked Hobbs and Shaw, which I think is the ironic thing. Cause that, that's the one I think that you probably hate the most. Yeah. That's the one I hated um, most of his filmography. I liked Tommy blonde. Fine. And I, I was uh, cooler on, um, yeah. Bullet train than most, I think, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I like bullet train. Yeah. Bullet train is probably my favorite of the bunch, uh, but even then, you know, yeah, I don't know. I mean, 
it does seem like he's just kind of doing his own thing and whatever. I mean, he's yeah. kind of, you know, director for hire after Atomic Power Blonde. Tom. And, you know. He's more the mercenary, you know, and Stahelski's more of John Wick himself, I guess. I don't yeah, I mean. I mean he is the stunt double. <laughs> I do like that Stahelski, I mean, especially when it comes to his work as a director, it seems like he is very much a student of film. Uh, that first movie in particular is so economic in how it's able to establish scope and scale with what's clearly a pretty limited budget. Uh, and I mean, I think, you know, every time I revisit the film, the thing that kind of sticks out to me is that like, this is like what would happen if you just happened to like find the best directed DVD action movie ever kind of thing where it's like, um, you know, like the premise of it's your typical kind of vigilante thing. I'm sure even at the time people were kind of thinking like, oh, it's like Keanu Reeves taken or whatever. Like it's his kind of action vehicle where he can be, uh, you know, go around kicking butt and, and uh, taking names. But like, you know, that movie is so... Uh, you know, precise in its direction. It, it's it's cleaned into the emotionality of it. And it takes a risk with, you know, killing the dog and like establishing this whole, you yeah. know, thing that's a kind of silly premise, but, you know, plays it somewhat straight. I mean, I don't want to say it plays it completely straight because it does. Those first mo- two movies have a very dry sense of humor. But I think the thing that I really appreciate about the third movie and the fourth movie is that they seem to be a little bit more willing to be goofy. Like clearly there's an influence here on silent films uh, and, and they don't, uh, make it subtle with the influence of Buster Keaton, obviously, like Keanu's kind of like, you know, uh, emotionally, like kind of just getting whipped and, and punched and hit by cars and all this stuff. And it's very evidently uh, influenced by like Buster Keaton's uh, style of comedy. And I think that I really like that this movie in particular kind of leans into that in the same way that the third movie did. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, there's a lot of set pieces here where it's clear that he seems to be influenced by the Western genre, obviously the martial arts genre. And, uh, you know, it's, it's keyed into the film enough to where you can appreciate them as you, as someone who's a fan of film, but it doesn't feel like they're beating you over the head. Like the movies themselves work on their own ways, but you can see the influences uh, play out in some fun and in apparent ways. All right. So let's, let's actually talk about uh, what this movie is supposed to be plot wise. Now, John Wick chapter three, I had to look it up because I did forget a lot of what happened, but the chapter three ends with Winston played by Ian McShane, um, event, uh, shooting John Wick. Um, he falls and, uh, Winston reassumes his position at the head of, uh, the continental continental gets its status back as being neutral. And, uh, even though he's like super injured, um, the Bowery King, Lawrence Fishburne's character, takes him in, and they agree to take on the high table from there. I, I forgot all of this, but um, that's kind of where we pick up with Chapter 4. Uh, the The premise of Chapter 4 is that John is trying to defeat the high table. He's trying to find a way to you know, kill somebody who's above the high table and earn his freedom back. But of course, that's what sets in like really like the, the powerful enemies that he has created with high table. And I don't know, I I just keep saying a high table a lot and I I still don't fully get what they are, (laughs) but we do have like Clancy Brown, for example, who's like a, I think a member or a liaison for that. I don't really know how it works. The main person who's like representing that is the Bill Skarsgård character. He's called the marquee and he just sets out, he sets off like a bunch of characters, a bunch of new uh, killable faces and assassins uh, and a bounty of course, to try to corner John wick for good. It is a little strange because it's like, it's more after four movies. I mean, it's a lot of, and I said this in my review, a lot of nameless bad assassin people constantly thinking that they can stop John Wick and just, I don't know. There's something weird to me about how like wave after wave comes after him and no one just kind of like gives up ever or just sort of like comes up with a more creative. They all just sort of like go after him in the most conventional way, like as if that's going to work. 
And I, I like, does nobody look at the situation and be like, well, that won't work because he always survives and kills everybody. And I kept thinking to myself, like, where's, where are the snipers? Like, why, why not a sniper? <laughs> like, you know where he is. Like, he's just kind of out in the open. Sure. He wears like a bulletproof jacket, but you just need an amazing sniper. Like Mr. Nobody could have killed him a bunch of times, apparently. Yeah. But nobody seems to be that creative about this stuff. I mean, they hit him with a car. I mean, that's something, I guess. Uh, no one have a, like, a rocket launcher. Uh, has it not come to that? <laughs> I don't yeah. know. I mean, yeah. And also, um, Willem Dafoe was a sniper in the first movie. And it's like, yeah, I mean, you could very easily, I think, just like kill him when he's asleep. Like, it doesn't like, he, he doesn't seem like to like guard himself that much. Yeah. But does he not sleep, though? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess not. We I mean, never I see him sleep. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean. I feel like, you know, people knew that he was in, like, Casablanca in the last one. You could just, like, I don't know, like, drop the bomb or something on him in the desert and, like, that'd be the end of it. But I don't know. I mean, I feel like to me that's not really, like, the fun of the series. It's the fun is that, you know, it's like a man against the world and he's just kind of shooting and punching and killing his way through it all. And I don't know. I mean, it's like any franchise to me where it's like you could kind of poke holes as much as you want. I feel like to me, the fun of it is that it is very precise about a lot of things. Like, for instance, like he has to constantly reload and like, you know, he does get wear down and, you know, he's not like other action movies where he is like has an endless stream of bullets and, you know, an endless stream of guns. He kind of has to like get creative and like see other people's guns if his run out of bullets or whatever. And so like that stuff is very precise. Obviously, like Ian McShane's always like talking about the rules and we're only with the animals we don't follow the rules but also like rules are meant to be broken i don't know to me they're fun they're fun it's a fun movie yeah i mean i'm not taking anything away from the movie i mean i'll say that my little head cannon uh what i force myself to believe is that everybody wants a shot at being the one who kills him and it's less ambiguous if they actually defeat him like face to face, like there's an honor to it as opposed to trying to take him down from afar when everybody is trying to kill him, then right. it becomes hazy. You know, who gets the bounty? That That's how I calculate it. Yeah. Uh, well, but that was the fun with like the mm-hmm. third one is that like, you know, like um, like the raid guys and um, yeah, uh, Mark. uh Danibos or Disc- discusses discusses yeah like like they're like fanboys of John Wick and they're like they kind of like want to be like the one to finally take him down so it's like sure you know like you said like an honor to it and stuff I don't know to me like that's like where this world gets fun is that like there's intricacies to each character and they kind of establish them enough but they don't like spend out you know like long period of time like establishing a backstory thing we just kind of just get the, the information we need to know about them to propel the story forward so, and I'll say, you know, because you kind of touched on it already, but the John Wick movies, I think, have been really great for action cinema since the first one came out. The first one came out sort of in the wake of when we were at peak shaky cam, when the Taken sequels were like the main action blockbusters, and they were just gaudy. They were awful to look at. The stunts were really cheap and lazy. CGI yeah. had really, really put... Uh, filmmakers in a position where they just felt like cutting corners was the most effective way forward. Yeah. I mean, to Helsky and Lisa, I mean, they really just stepped up the game there. I mean, it wasn't only taken. It was, I mean that, I think that kind of started with the born movies, like born movies where people took the wrong hit. It's yeah. Yeah. They took the wrong lessons from what Paul Greengrass was doing with those films. Exactly. And they were like, okay, we can kind of like work around the action beats by like just shaking the camera. It'll seem more gritty and realistic, but it's like, no, I just can't follow what's happening. Uh, And it it happened all throughout the two thousands. Like those early transformers movies, especially like it's hard to just like have a sense of place. And because, like, it doesn't look like anything is happening, then, like, people don't believe 
anything that happened. People don't feel what happens. And so like action had really like lost its way up until John Wick comes out, Mad Max Fury Road comes out less than a year later. And all of a sudden we have like action sequences where they're really putting the work in to make the practical effects more woven into the story. And, you know, you still have like a plot that's like very much like taken, you know, like revenge or like some kind of like very like primal, like, you know, dad's mad kind of thing. But, uh, also with John Wick is they got rid of, they got away from like the, everything's like grounded and gritty and like really serious. Like John Wick was cool because it, and you hate, you hate what I have to say about this, but it felt like a comic book movie. That's not based on a comic book. And, uh, or did you, did you hate that? I said that, or yeah, you, no, you said was, that that was wrong. I mean, that's, that's not accurate to me, but I get what you're saying. I mean, it feels more like, like a long form manga, maybe, uh, as opposed to like a comic book. Well, it's book. like more like a graphic novel. When I say comic book, I'm, I'm referring to more to like the larger net, not sort of like a superhero comic. You know, he's not a superhero. He's not like secret. Identity. No, no, it, it's like a, a kind of a, a graphic novel that's like huge world building that really like colorful, colorful pages, big pages, more for adults, you know, like that kind of feel as opposed to like a comic book, like you know, action comics, 1938. That's not what I'm getting at. But, um, and, and it's also not overly nerdy about this stuff. Like it's nerdy, but it's kind of like, it's, it's nerd stuff. If like you want it, no, it's but, cool. like you, if you just want you see, the like, action, no, 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 mm-hmm. John, this is cool. You see, it's like, it's fu- stuff that's fun and hip and cool. Nerd stuff is like D and D. Like that's that's no nerd no stuff. see the nerd stuff the nerd stuff is all the the high table the marquee the rules and everything but I think what makes the movie interesting is that John Wick himself doesn't care and so his character is the man of few words you know there was that whole thing going around where people were like he he only says like three hundred and eighty words in the movie it's like yeah that's that's why it's fun like John Wick is like the person who just he's a man of action you know. Everybody else is, like, going off and having diatribes. Ian McShane is waxing poetic. But then John Wick is just like, you know, hey, I'm going to kill everybody. Like, it's great. Yeah, yeah. He's he's always engaged in pleasantries, too. Like, he's very polite, usually when he talks to, like, fellow assassins. And, yeah. Yeah, he, he but he's just, retired, yeah. so he's just like, what are you doing? Yeah, well, I mean, it's also just that, like, get this over with. I mean, everything he says has added gravitas, because it's not like he's just, like, talking all the time. Like, you know, he only speaks when he needs to say something. So, yeah, it's cool. It's, are there it's, any action beats that you wanted to point out that were some of your favorites? Oh, sure. But, I mean, I was going to say, uh, to that thing before I forget, I think that's kind of been crucial to uh, the resurgence, I guess, of Keanu's at... I mean, I, I think a lot's been said and maybe harshly about Keanu Reeves' like acting abilities over the years. Like I think he's not an actor with like exceptional range, but I think he's been very smart and very thoughtful about what he can do and like he has like this sort of zen and like this this kind of like uh, you know, cool uh, you know, sullen demeanor that, you know, I think obviously with the Matrix it works because there there's this kind of like heightened sense of like the this alternate world and like this like you know like this uh philosophy major uh ideology kind of thrown in there but like with this movie it's about like kind of acknowledging you know he's just someone who has like this long reputation the less we know and the less we hear and the less we see about his past kind of the better because then you know we can kind of fill in the dots and keanu reeves can kind of play against whatever his perceived uh limitations are as an actor and just kind of rely on his strengths uh as well as as far as like an action star is concerned but um yeah i don't know i mean i think it just helps that like he 
he's also probably a really nice guy. He's gotten a lot of chances to, you know, make friends and like find himself connected to the right people. Obviously, uh, Chad Skalinski, I think, has been, you know, really great to his uh, continued rise. And yeah, I, don't know, I mean, I think uh, it's been a little unfair for people to say that like his performance has been lacking. I think he's, you know, also gotten better with these, uh, you know, as an actor with these John Wick sequels. And uh, anyway, as far as the action sequels, or sorry, action sequences. Oh, before you go, yeah. I, I, before you go on, I, I gotta say, you said fill in the dots. Mm. I'm not sure if you meant connect the dots sorry. or fill in the blanks. Sorry, uh, connect the dots. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but anyway, to answer your question, I mean, uh, I love uh, you know, like the 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 uh, Japanese like continental like takedown. I think that's such a great fun action scene at the top here. It's like a 20 minute yeah. like set piece. I mean, we didn't say it already, but this is a long movie. And part of it is because the set pieces like really stretch out. Yeah. Um, but I think, I mean, the one that stands out to me the most, uh, I feel like a lot of people have talked about the staircase scene, which is a lot of fun and it plays out, you know, in a, a good way. It showcases the, you know, uh, Keanu Reeves' strengths, not only as an action star, but as a uh, physical comedian. But to me, yeah. I mean, I think that's also <laughs> extenuating in that scene with the, um, oh, what's it called in Paris where, like, they, you know, drive around in a circle, uh, you know, like... The- Oh, I forget. Uh, it's like not the, not the. I'll look it up. It's yeah. like around the close to the Notre Dame or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That to me was so much fun. I was laughing so much, just like he, you know, constantly getting hit by cars and the uh, arc get, to yeah. triumph. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, Is that it? yeah, and just like constantly has to like get back up. People all like also trying to dodge cars and like you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then like someone will get hit by a car, but he'll sh- still shoot him in the head to make sure they're dead. And it was just yeah, <laughs> so much fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I was gonna say. I mean, the one I think of first is uh, the scene where he has like a sort of like flamethrower shotgun, and he's just going like room to room, and the camera is like overhead, so it looks yeah, like in like a the, single they shot. have the set in the warehouse, right? And mm-hmm. it's like a, it's a wonder. And he's just going like room to room and you get to see like the action from another perspective. And it's such a flex from the filmmakers because you just see them sort of being like, all right, you know, no gimmicks, no sort of like, you know, the the camera kind of turns quickly so we could cut. Like you just get to see it from like God's perspective. Right. And uh, you get to see all the way all the characters kind of move around too, like. I mean, it's a it's a, a huge achievement just in terms of like the effects because it's not just he's shooting people and they're falling down like there's also the fire effects mm-hmm. too there's you know the whole thing like walls are being blown apart like it really is like impressive stuff yeah uh, and i was like amazed i was like i can't believe that they're still finding ways to do action in such a an inventive way for movies in you know what yeah. i mean and that one i mean also just kind of like you said it's it's um I think deliberately kind of showing off in the sense of like, there've been a lot of movies of late, especially now with the digital photography uh, being kind of the norm where people will do like silent cuts or like, they'll like try to do like long takes, but like, you know, they, they hide them or they kind of work around them. So it comes more of like an aesthetic thing as opposed to like something that's actually genuinely like really impressive. And this to me was just kind of like, look, if you're going to do a one or do it like this, like <laughs> actually exactly, do it yeah. and like, do it well. Like, you know, like don't just Alfonso like, Alfonso Cuaron was probably watching that and blushing, you know, being sure. like, aw. Yeah. But I mean, I'm not, I'm, did it. I mean, I'm not pointing fingers at anyone in particular. It just seems like, you know, I think he's even said this in an interview where he's just like, look, like I'm not against that style, but like, if you're going to do it, you have to like, you know, commit to it. And this is how you do it. Agreed there. Agreed there. The movie is doing super well. $146 million at the box office, only a $100 million budget. And I think it's so impressive that the movie was made for $100 million. I mean, to me, I would have guessed 150 But I mean, yeah, it just goes to show that the people who make these movies, uh, 
they are just so good <laughs> at making them. Like they're able to make them uh, a bit cheaper than I think other, you know, like it to them, it's like a worn glove, you know, it just like they, they know how to yeah. really like capture these things. Like, without it you know it kind of like i know like the daniels you know with everything everywhere all at once like that's a movie where you really have like chewing gum and and scotch tape mm-hmm. you know behind that you know process yeah to try to like not just not to do not to save money for the sake of it but to be like what's the most efficient way to put this on film without just throwing money at it and i think that that comes through and i think that's why these movies are still so you know effective Mm -hmm. if i have one major criticism I, i do think the movie is too long i think like most people will say like that's their their main thing. I think that like it didn't need to be about three hours. I, I think that th- there were some sequences that went on a bit too long. I were a little repetitive. I got tired and I got a little bit of like, all right, I, I like this meal, but you're giving me too much of the same like course. Yeah. And I was like, I, I was hoping that it would move a little bit, well, but I'd say that's more of like the first half. Once we settle in for that last like hour or so, I think the movie just flies and I was like totally absorbed. Uh, but uh, yeah, it does take a little work to get to that point. You're tired. How do you think John feels here? John Wick, I, I mean. I, I, John. Yeah. I was going to say, which John? I don't, um, I don't know. I, I can see why you feel that way about the length to me. I don't know. I honestly, like, never once I checked my phone. Like, I didn't, I was never really bored by it. I mean, I did feel the length at a certain point, but, like, not in a bad way. I just was like, okay, like, this is truly, like, epic. Like, it feels, like, so wide-ranging, so globetrotting. I don't know. I was just with it throughout. And, like, anytime, like, I was kind of starting to waver, like, you know, Donnie Yen comes back. I'm like, oh, yeah, cool, Donnie Yen's back. Like, I'm interested. Like, I'm interested in these new characters. I'm interested in what's being established. I like the sense of renewed stakes that are established here. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's hard to say if this is the best one, but it feels like the one that's maybe the most, like, complete. Uh, maybe. Since the first I would one. not call it epic, though. Not for me, at least. I I would call it awesome, but I don't think it has that sweeping, like, epic feel that uh, I get with films like Mad Max Fury Road and Lawrence of Arabia and movies that I think are, are a little bit more sort of, like, grand. This movie I don't think is grand. I don't think there's anything about it that's just, like, wide in scope and emotionally sweeping. Um, and it's not trying to be. Sure. I, you know, I appreciate it for... I think it's more humble sort of approach. Yeah, I mean, I will say, I mean, to your earlier point, I do appreciate that uh, Chad Skalinski is, uh, I think he was smart about... Stahelski. Sorry, Stahelski, I apologize. Um, He, I think he was smart as far as, like, his approach as director. Like, you know, obviously he wants to get bigger and better with each film, but, like, he didn't, like, go from, like, zero to 60. Like, he kind of, like, gradually built this himself up uh, to get to this point. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm very curious uh, if this is his last uh, film in the John Wick universe. I'm curious to see where he goes next. I'm curious to see if he can. Well, we can talk about yeah. yeah we'll, let's play the Rotten Tomatoes game, and then we'll we'll talk about like what we wanted to see next for John Wick and the John Wick universe uh, once we do that. Since it might involve some spoilers, right? So, Rotten Tomatoes game. Let's get to it. Um, John Wick Chapter Four has 282 reviews counted. Uh, critically, one of them's mine. So there's a little hint. You know, I like the movie. Uh, so, Will, what do you think of the the critic score is right now on Rotten Tomatoes? What's your guess? Uh, I think I saw um, an earlier version of this. I don't think I've seen it recently. Okay. Uh, I know it's pretty high. Like, I think at that point it was like in the high 90s. I think it's gone down a little bit, um, but I don't think it's like below 92. So I'm going to guess like I'm going to say right in the middle. I'm going to say 95. Very, very close. I mean, you were right, uh, a little bit lower than where it was, and definitely above 92, but it's 94%. So uh, just one away, one away. Um, I don't know who that critic was who came in and ruined it for you, mm. but 
<laughs> but uh, yeah, it, uh, wasn't, about, uh, uh, it oh. wasn't you though. That's all I know. No, 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 I give it a fresh, of course. Um, and then audience score, we have 2,500 plus verified ratings. Will, what do you think the criti- uh, the audience score is at this point? I think audiences are digging it. I think they're digging it a lot, actually. I think I'm going to say uh, 98%. It is not 98%. It's actually also 94. We have a 94-94. Hmm. Um, doesn't happen often when t- uh, critic score and audience score are right in line. But I think that 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 fits this franchise, right? Sure. I think from, since the beginning, critics and audiences, uh, critics and fans agree, John Wick Chapter 4 is awesome, mm-hmm. epic. Three hours of relentless shooting and little acting makes the fourth film in the Wick franchise an epic disappointment. Oh, wait, that's a negative review. Mm. Uh, <laughs> I read that from uh, Stephen Romay, the, uh, from, who wrote for The Australian. Okay. Um, I was going to say, though, I mean, I was thinking about this earlier. Is the first John Wick like the last movie in like the DVD era to kind of like become like, you know, like a DVD hit, like a a home video hit? Like, I feel like like that first movie, I don't know, maybe I'm speaking just for me, but like I that's the only one of these I hadn't seen in theaters. And I remember like when it came out, people were still kind of like scoffing at it and being like, eh, I don't know, Keanu Reeves actioner. Like, I think even it got pretty close. I was hyped. I was so hyped uh, for I the think first that, John Wick. I think that first movie, like, I could be wrong about this, but I remember hearing that, like, it almost went direct to video. Like, they were having trouble finding yeah. a distributor. And, like, Lionsgate came in, you know, kind of at the last minute and was like, yeah, we'll give this a theatrical run. Why not? Uh, you know, well exceed their expectations. But I feel like that first one didn't, like, take the box office by storm. Like, it was still like, it, it bit better than I think they anticipated, but didn't, like, exceed expectations. But it wasn't until, like, the word of mouth really started to come out and it was like on DVD and Blu-ray that people were really talking about. And then I presume when it was on the, yeah, early I was versions. part of that first wave of like, I went to go see it opening day, um, in Silicon Valley. And there was a lot of rumbling that this thing was great because there were a lot of people who had watched the trailer and like, there were more people at the John Wick screening than I thought there would be. And I just remember like the crowd was hyped and I was like, this movie's going to kill because I was like, this movie kind of came out of nowhere. And this is like the Friday showtime of like the opening weekend. And then, yeah, I remember like it just like picked up from there. It was like that movie and Nightcrawler were like the two surprises. You know, they, it felt like, you know, for Keanu and for uh, Jake Gyllenhaal, you know, these movies that it just felt like people wanted to watch movies like that. Like there were more for like adults that were kind of like more sort of like original and different. Sure. Um, and yeah, that was a fun time. Yeah. Uh, the movies. You can't imagine if Nightcrawler had a franchise like John Wick did. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a, it, it's such a perfect standalone kind of thing. You know, I just, I really appreciate it for that. Oh, by the way, that reminds me, we, we never got to talk about the nunchucks, uh, with John Wick. I love it. I love oh, yeah, that. It they was fun, taught yeah. Keanu Reeves, how to use ch- nunchucks. That was fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you already know the cinema score. You were you were spoiled on that. I don't know what the cinema score is, though, so I get to guess for once. Um, so, well, you remember what it is, right? Yep. Okay, perfect. So, all right, I'm going to guess. And uh, I, I think that, like, with an audience score like that and also critics splitting the difference, I think that people... My my mental logic here is that it's the John Wick franchise. The people who go to see it early want a very specific thing from John Wick. I think they're going to get it. They might be a little bit weakened in the knees from the length. So it might not be like an A plus, but I definitely think it's either an A minus or an A. Um, I'm going to I'm going to go for A kind of go with my heart because I, I think that people will like ultimately be like, yeah, it was great. You know, like even though it was long, they're going to come out of it being like, yeah, yeah, this is this is it. John. All right. 
You are correct. It is an <laughs> A cinema score. See, I like to, I like to, you get rewarded. You know, sometimes it doesn't work out. Sometimes it's lower, but I'd rather be right about it being higher. I don't know. Um, let's go to Letterboxd here. Now, on Letterboxd, it's kicking. It's just really like wiping sure. the floor. People are seeing uh, this a, movie. Yeah, they are. You know what movie they're not mm-hmm. seeing? No. Shazam! Fury of the Gods. <laughs> they are not, and uh, which a family film, you know, where Diedrich Bader uh, is like forced to commit suicide. Yeah, Jeez Louise. Uh, we don't have to talk about Zachary Levi, do we? Sure, I don't. I mean, I don't know. I just I feel bad for the dude. Like you saw, so that- people don't know what we're referencing. He did. He put out a video, like a very desperate TikTok, being like, "Please watch Shazam!" Like he's like crying, and it's like yeah. really sad. He was um, like, he's saying that like it's a family movie, and yeah. it's. John Wick isn't, and it's like, dude, like, have some, have some class. Like, yeah. come on, lick your wounds, and you know, kind of uh, try to find some, you know, Christian drama star in or whatever. Like, you know, I mean, he's also been like going on to Twitter and being like, hey, I love to star in a Star Trek movie. Hey, I'd love to star in a Star <sighs> Wars movie. Hey, I'd love to be on Last of Us. Hey, I'd <sighs> like to, uh, you know, um, maybe do what something. To Chuck? Yeah, what happened? Uh, so next week, I'm probably, I imagine he's going to be like, hey, I heard something about John Wick 5. Maybe I could be the bad guy. <laughs> I was such a good bad guy in real life. <laughs> Trying to steal business from the movie. Yeah. Um, okay, so on Letterboxd, John Wick Chapter 4 has 138,000 watches. So high already after just a few days. And um, it's already in the top 250 on Letterboxd. It's number 162. Pretty wild, pretty wild that it's, uh, you know, it's one of the few times I think we only three or four movies, new movies we've talked about have been up there. Like uh, Everything Everywhere All at Once is one of the major ones. Now, Will Ashton, what do you think the letterboxed average rating is between zero and five? Hmm. Well, I'm going to guess it's pretty high if it's in the top Be 200. It wasn't, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm going to say 4.7. Oh, it's not that high. Calm down. <laughs> I don't think we've ever had a movie be that high before. Um, no, it's 4.2, at least that high, like with a, such a reach. Uh, 4.2, which is still like pretty, pretty high. Very rarely we have over four. Um, even 4.1, it's been a while since we had higher than that. Uh, yeah, my letterbox is just full of people who are just uh, John Wick stands, you know. Um, a few a few threes uh, I see. I, I see a two and a half. Uh, from a friend of the show, uh, Corey Everett, and uh, but most people here are like three and a half, four stars, four and a half uh, from Chris Evangelista, friend of the show, and Ryan Oliver, friend of the show. But uh, yeah, it's certainly certainly doing super well with critics, as we established. And um, there you go. Yeah, I'm trying to see if anyone I okay, one person I follow, uh, okay, two people I follow have given it uh, negative ratings. Uh, okay, so a couple people did. But yeah, most of my yeah, not, uh, not everybody's yeah. into John Wick. Uh, what are you gonna do? Yeah, yeah, what can you do? It's fine. Hmm. But I mean, it's something that like everybody is watching it. <laughs> no such thing as bad press. Sure. Yeah. All right. Well, well that I do it for our spoiler-free portion of the show. We're gonna quickly just talk about the future of the John Wick franchise, and that'll of course include a little bit of discussion of what happens at the end of John Wick Chapter Four. So if you still haven't seen the movie, this is your chance to bow out. We'll see you next week for Dungeons and Dragons and um, uh, whatever else we're gonna talk about next week. But uh, Will Ashton, I'll turn it to you for John Wick. All right. Just to establish, you know, John Wick Chapter 4, the ending. Um, it looks like, you know, it kind of ends the same way as Shazam Fury of the Gods. Uh, spoilers for Shazam sure, Fury yeah, of the Gods, yeah. by the way. I, Not didn't that I, think even, uh, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, yeah. 
I, cause I was thinking about it. I was just like, so like both characters uh, die, but one of them stays dead. Uh, it looks like at least in John Wick. Um, yeah. Now, a lot of people will say like he faked his death or something, but sure. I mean, like, why would he do that when he, right. he's free? Uh, um, who knows? Right. What if Mario ends the same way? <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye, Luigi. <laughs> Goodbye, oh, Luigi. No, it's Chris Pratt, so he's yeah. going to sound like uh, Linda from Bob Springer. Yeah. Goodbye, Goodbye, Luigi. Luigi. <laughs> we can't even do it. Um, but no, so John Wick is dead, allegedly. Um, and it looks like that's what you were referring to, of like, oh, we're not going to make a fifth one, or we're not going to really do this. Like, it, And in the post credit scene, very quick, um, teases more of like a movie with uh, the Kane character, and because uh, in the movie Kane kills the character played by Hiroki Sonata, and his daughter played by Rina Sawayama, she of course is like now out for revenge against Kane. Uh, I don't think we talked enough about Kane, honestly, uh, like the way that he fights, even though he's blind, and like he's such an interesting character. Oh yeah, that was the like... uh, the other action scene that I really liked was like when he's yeah, in that yeah. kitchen thing and he's using like the he sensors. The sensors, yeah, that's, that's so, so cool. cool. Yeah. yeah, so inventive, and uh, yeah, so. We, we end the movie there. Um, Kane is in Paris, and I think he, his da- that's where his daughter is, right? And uh, Akira, the, the character played by Rena, she uh, it looks like she's going to try to kill him. And so, like, it looks like they're setting off, like, a spinoff. They also have the Continental, that show, um, that is supposed to be, I think, like, I don't know if it's supposed to be part of the same universe or kind of just, like, mm-hmm. a prequel or whatever. Some people have said that we could get a John Wick prequel. Um, so, like, a younger Which John Wick, you know, played by a different actor. Don't. Don't do a prequel. I don't need to know how John Wick became John Wick. The mystique and the allure of John Wick is that we don't know these things. Agreed. <laughs> but I think they are going to go that route. I, I think that they are going to try to do that at some point. So we just have to bear with it, I guess. But yeah, yeah no, I mean, it's like we, it's more interesting to not know. Like, it's more interesting when people hear his name in that first movie and are just like, oh, no, John Wick. Yeah, and it's funnier. It, it uh with the sequels that like alfie somehow didn't know who john wick was and he's like this like you know bratty sheltered privileged kid that just happened to like yeah not know who the world's deadliest assassin was and piss him off <laughs> which i think is funny yeah. like I, I like that about the sequels but yeah we don't need i don't need to see him doing the pencil thing for the first time i don't need to see like you know his first kill or whatever like i, I don't i don't need that just yeah, focus on the other characters if you need to establish this universe anymore. But if this is if this is it for John Wick, I'm fine with that. Well, we'll see John Wick, I think for sure, in the upcoming spinoff Ballerina. Right. Yeah. Um, so I forgot to mention that one. So uh, Keanu Reeves and Ian McShane are supposed to show up in that. And uh, this is the movie that takes place in between. Yes, uh, it takes place in between Chapter Three and Chapter Four. Um, and uh, yeah, I think that's uh, so. That's the one that Len Wiseman directs. And it's supposed hmm. to be about um, Anna de Armas, right? Who yeah. uh, is like a, an, a ballerina assassin. Right, yeah. The third movie you see, like, Angel- Angelica Houston has that ballerina yes. thing. And I guess Anna de Armas is just one of those ballerinas, I guess. Uh, That's what it's looking like. like she, apparently, somebody murdered her family and she's out to get revenge. Yeah. Uh, who would have thought? Sure. Um, <laughs> Norman Reedus is supposed to be in that, which I'm excited about. Okay. Because uh, I, I feel like he hasn't done much since uh, Walking Dead. But, sure. Uh, and then, yeah, Continental, as we mentioned, is supposed to be, uh, I actually, I, I see confirmation here. So I wasn't sure if it was in the universe, but it is, but it is a, it is a prequel show. Um, so there are going to be like John Wick characters who are supposed to be younger, but I don't know how Which, much younger, like, I don't know. Again, yeah. don't need it. I think that's supposed to be a mini series though. So it's not like, I don't think they're going to like, be on Peacock. Well, don't worry. It's going to be on Peacock. It's not like people are going to see it. 
Um, yeah. Ooh, Mel Gibson's supposed to be in it? Uh, Mel Gibson's maybe, supposed uh, to be in it? That's what it says. Oh, okay. uh, maybe past then. Uh, yeah, it looks like a Winston um, is going to be played by Colin Woodell. See, I guess that's okay. Like, I like the idea of, like, a younger Winston. You know, that's a character who I don't mind learning a little bit about because he is a bit of a cipher in, in the John Wick movies and uh, him being the main character. I don't know. It could be fine. I would just rather, like, like if they want to do a spinoff with Halle Berry, I'd be cool with that because she's, like, mostly a side sure. character. Like, she has, like, a little bit of a relationship with John Wick uh, during, like, a crucial point of her life. But, like, you could kind of, you know you know, just have a cameo with him and then just, you know, focus primarily on her. Like, that's fine. Like, I, I'm cool with that. Uh, you know, I, I, these side characters, and, and we also should note that um, in this movie, Mr. Nobody has, like, this plan that he's trying to, like, raise Bunny for, so it's kind of established there might be something with him in the future where he's, I don't know, I don't know if they ever say exactly what he's trying to raise Bunny for, but, like, clearly mm-hmm. he has some some lofty goal in mind that might be established in the future, or maybe that's just a, a small little bit of character building that they just wanted to keep vague just because, you know, why not? In terms of Keanu Reeves coming back, I mean, Stahelski has said that, like, really, they just don't plan to do it. Um, and his, his reasoning, Stahelski's reasoning is that he said that he doesn't believe that he can deliver two uniquely special experiences in terms of, like, the fourth and fifth film. Right. And so, you know, and I think that, like, Lionsgate probably... It, it, was like very much like no 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 oh yeah no Lionsgate like, this weekend has just been like uh, uh uh we can think about a, a John Wick five yeah uh yeah uh, we we'll, could do it we'll yeah, have some yeah, meetings yeah. Uh, yeah uh it's not off the table um I think they really want to right because I mean Chapter Four has been such a huge huge hit um I, I think a bigger hit than they maybe expected in the in the age of COVID now the last movie made three hundred twenty seven million dollars uh, and yeah this movie has made almost half that already so yeah I think that they I'm thinking they want to come back um. But we'll see because, uh, you know, we do have Mario coming out soon, and I don't know how John Wick is going to—I mean, it, John well, Wick is great counter-programming to Mario. But. I was going to say, I mean, I don't think uh, I don't think that's going to hurt John Wick because that's primarily aimed for younger audiences. Now, granted, audiences of all ages are probably going to see Mario, but, yes. I mean, John Wick's for adults, so that should be fine. The one that's really yes. going to probably be hurt is Dungeons & Dragons. Uh, but yeah, we'll I, see. I, I don't see that movie really just like, I, I mean, it might make a, it might make a couple bucks, but uh, yeah, I mean, unless an anomaly happens, I think that that movie is going to yeah, I mean, be quite unsuccessful um, in terms of box office. And yeah, I think people are going to be like, ah, I'd rather just see another John Wick. I know that'll sure. be good. Dungeons & Dragons, uh, that, wasn't that like a movie in the 2000s? No thanks. Yeah, and I then mean, yeah, Mario's going to clean its clock. Uh, yeah. And then, uh, John Wick's going to clean his Glock. <laughs> there it is. Um, I do think that Dungeons and Dragons stands a chance because the reviews have been really good. Um, I gave it a positive review. We'll talk about it on the show soon. Right. And I think like the, uh, it's competition. The other competition, the reviews haven't been great. Like good person and Shazam kind of mixed reviews. Um, I did like good person and Shazam, but you know, I don't think that they're as like, gotta see it sure. in the theater. You what know, if, as uh, w- yeah. What if a person was good? I gotta go see that now. Yeah. Like you know, people... what if Florence Pugh was addicted to yeah. something? Yeah. Um, and it, and I think Scream Six is kind of like run its course. I'm also kind of wondering though, Air. So Air is an Amazon movie. I just watched it last night. It sure. has the juice. Like Air is one of those movies where Hell I think yeah. like people are gonna want to see it, Hell and yeah. I think people are gonna be like, oh yeah, because it's Moneyball. Yeah. Like, it's just it's, it's like it's such an easy formula for success easy life it's, i think it's coming out the wrong time though um i feel like it would clean in like the fall season i don't know i think 
like September, yeah. September, October. It, I, I mean, like when people who don't want to watch horror watch that instead. I mean, I, I think it would make more sense. They had done it, um, you know, as counter program to like a summer blockbuster, like maybe like counter program to guardians or something, but this summer uh, is so stacked though. But I bet yeah. they considered that, but honestly, well, like I was looking at, uh, the summer, um, schedule last night, um, for the first time, mm-hmm. like really looking at it and it's like, there's nowhere to put it. Like it's, it would have to come out in like August. And I think that that would be a little bit too, like in the middle, I yeah. think it, it would be a perfect September feature, but, but uh, Moneyball, I thought came out in August, right? Like August or September. Oh, maybe it did. Yeah. I mean, well, I think it had like festival stuff, didn't it? Or am I misremembering? I mean, it was a long time ago. Uh, I don't know. I, th- I thought it was like, I thought that came out like at the tail end of summer. Maybe. Uh, yeah. It's been a while. Um, Moneyball release. It's been a while. September, September 19th, 2011. Yeah. See, that's what I'm saying. September. Sure. Uh, but it was, a, it did premiere at Toronto. That's why. Yeah. Um, Air, I think that they should have tried to get that at TIFF or something. Um, that would have, because it's a good movie. It, it's like, and then we'll talk about it eventually. I don't think it's like, you know, best picture or anything like that. I don't think it's amazing, but sure. I think that it is like, it's just a crowd pleaser. Yeah. And I'm just kind of like scratching yeah. my head at this April release date. I've heard it's like a B grade money ball, which I'm totally fine with. Yes. I mean, I'll take as many money balls Perfect. as you can give it to me. Yeah. Yeah. I gave it a seven out of 10 on, on my review. It, it's not like amazing, but it's like, it's just fun. It's, it's a fun kind of movie to watch. We don't see a lot of, and uh, Viola Davis is like killer in it. Ben Affleck is really good in it. Um, but anyway, we don't have to talk about it right now. It's just, sure. I just don't get the release date at all. Um, but then, yeah, eventually we'll get Mario and then that's all people will talk about. We do have the Owen Wilson movie, uh, Bob Ross movie coming out soon, right? Are we going to talk about that one? Paint? Um, I don't think so. I heard that wasn't great. I, I haven't heard anybody talk about it yet. Um, it's supposed to be uh, coming out in theaters uh, in a week or two. So yeah, I uh, just wanted to point that out. I um, mean, fun premise. The trailer didn't do much for me. And then I saw one person I follow was like, yeah, this is pretty bad. So I got, I got to imagine Owen Wilson's in a weird place, right? Because uh, the Loki show is going to come out soon. And then we haven't mentioned the Jonathan Majors thing has happened since the last time we recorded. Oh yeah. And Jonathan Majors is supposed to be like a big presence in Loki season two. And there's a lot of like, you know, we don't have to get into it now, but I think that there's a quite a, quite a disruption, I think in the movie world because of some allegations that look pretty serious for Jonathan Majors. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't know what's going to happen with magazine dreams. I don't know what's going to happen with the understudy Spike Lee's new movie that was supposed to star yeah. him. For people who don't know, um, Jonathan Major's girlfriend has uh, went to the police and filed a, a criminal report that he strangled her, um, and has been he's been accused of domestic abuse. And there's some people who've come out and said that, like, oh yeah, we we knew all along that he was uh, kind of a sociopath, and so that's it's starting to look pretty bad for this actor uh, in terms of like you know just being a, a bad person and a, a horrible person who should. Um, you know, if these allegations are true, it should have no business, you know, being a successful actor or being anywhere near um, the status that he has right now, which is sad, obviously, because a lot of people like us, like, appreciate his talent. But I mean, yeah, if that's the case, like, yeah, it's it's just tragic, you know, um, pretty awful. Um, but uh, yeah, you yeah. know, uh, maybe we'll talk about that in another date in more a detail. Bit of a downer note. Especially to, once we have more information. Yeah, I was going to say, bit of a downer note to end this episode on, I'll admit. Um, well, it's not. Uh, we also have Tetris and 1001 coming up soon, um, which I, I 
I'm planning to see both of those. And uh, Tetris, I think, is going to be on Apple TV. And then uh, 1001 yeah. is going to be in theaters. And I, I can't wait to see both. I think Tetris is actually getting a limited theatrical release as well. But I don't know how wide it's going to theaters. It, it's just, it's going to be pretty limited. Um, it, it already hit limited theaters. Uh, it's not playing anywhere around here, though. So I haven't had maybe It might just be New York and L.A. for all I know. But, uh, yeah, it's going to be streaming in a couple of days. And so that's when I'm going to see it. And uh, I'm looking forward to it. I love Tetris. I, I play that game like religiously. Uh, now, this isn't like pixels. Like it's not like a movie about Tetris. It's about like no. the making of Tetris. Yes. Yeah. And in fact, when I when I brought up like Air being like that kind of movie we don't get as as much as you'd think we would, considering how those movies tend to be so good uh, or so, tend to be so like pleasing, you know, to the crowds. Uh, some people were like, "Well, we also have Tetris. Look at that." Um, but yeah, no, we're getting the Tayana Taylor movie soon, 1001. And that one I think is going to be yeah. uh, certainly like a big, uh, you know, it want, I think it wants to be an awards contender. We'll see if it is. But yeah. Yeah. The thing, though, about Tetris and Air, though, is that like it is nice to see movies about adults for adults, but it's also like they have to be so damn corporate. Like they're about, you know, like these like conglomerates, you know, <laughs> making money. Yeah, that is that is like my big criticism with Air. It's just like it's so like Sloven, Slaven to Nike that it's like gross. <laughs> like it's really, really gross. But uh, you know, it's not terrible about that. I mean you can deal with it. But sure. We'll, anyway, we'll get to that when we review it. We should wrap this up. That'll do it for this week's episode of Cinemaholics. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back soon. And uh, from the internet, California, I'm John Agroni. And from the internet, Pennsylvania, I'm Lashin. We'll be back next time.